This is your coffee break. Hey friends, I am back again this week and I have a really special guest for you today. Uh, his name is Jonathan Small and I'm going to call him John for the purposes of this interview. And while this is a coffee break, I'm enjoying my coffee. John is not having coffee because of a fun new diet, uh, which he is on. And so welcome to the show. I am. Thank you. Thank you for distracting me from from not being able to have I can have coffee, but I can't have milk and I can't have sugar. And it's like the two best ingredients in my coffee every morning. So it's it's a little tricky. Well, I was going to welcome so, you as a caffeine deprived guest, but maybe more accurately as a sugar deprived guest. Yes, I'm going through my sugar withdrawal symptoms as we speak. Terrible headache. But I do recommend this uh, program, the whole 30. It's uh. I think I recommend it. I'm only on day two and I'm already in misery, but I, I think I'm going to feel a lot better. Well, misery loves company, right? So that's uh, <laughs> yes, might thank as you. well invite everyone else in, into this with you. Come into the fold, uh, the headache fold. Well, hi, I'm so glad to have you on the show. Um, I was privileged and honored to be a guest on your show a while ago, and who knows when these are going to come out relative to each other. You were a great guest, though. Thank you for doing that. Well, thank you. I, I enjoyed my time, and now I'm excited to have you as a guest on Right Now's Coffee Break here with me today. I would love it if you would just um, give our listeners just a, a little sound bite about who you are and what you do. Wow. Well, it depends what day you ask. Uh, today, <laughs> I am a journalist. I'm a uh, writer. Uh, I'm a ghostwriter. Uh, a podcaster. I have a, a show similarly similarly titled "Right About Now" with Jonathan Small. But my background is really uh, as a uh, editor, magazine editor for many many years. That's how I started my career, and I worked in New York in the sort of publishing world in the in the 1990s. Uh, and, uh, worked at various magazines and then became a freelance writer and then sort of did a little bit of a pivot to becoming a video producer. But now I'm back to writing, uh, full time. And, uh, I can just feel, I have this premonition of all these burning questions that my listeners are going to have for you about your experience in editing and your experience moving into freelance writing, freelance journalism. Can you give us a little peek into a how you, I guess, got these positions or how you found yourself in these positions? Well, you mean the position of writing or position of editing and writing? Ooh, let's, ooh, ooh, all of the above. Can we do all, all of, of the, the above? above? Yeah. Well, editing was my first job out of college. Uh, and I was actually a receptionist at a magazine called Child Magazine, uh, which was a parenting magazine that was pretty popular back in the day, but no longer exists. And it was published by the New York Times. And I was the receptionist. And somebody came up to me, one of the editors, and said, hey, I've got a last minute interview I need to do with George Carlin um, because he's on Thomas the Tank Engine. Do you remember that show, Thomas I the do. Tank Engine? I do. He was the and George Carlin was like conductor. Yeah. So this is a while ago. So I said, uh, but I've never had that. And she gave me the notepad and she said, go for it. And so I called them up and I interviewed them and I wrote up the interview and she really liked it. And when a job became available, she said, would you like an editorial assistant job at Child Magazine? And that was sort of how I fell into it. It wasn't, you know, I knew I was interested in writing, but I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I was 21 years old. And um, so that then became a a almost decade of me moving up the ladder editor editorially. And I started child and then I went to a magazine called fitness magazine. And then I went to a magazine called Sesame street parents. And then I went to glamor 
magazine, uh, and it all culminated in a magazine called Stuff Magazine, which was a men's magazine. Doesn't exist anymore, um, but it it uh, it was Maxim's sister mag publication, and and it was uh, an import from England. And I was the executive editor there, so I kind of got as high up as executive editor, and then I gave it all up. I, I wanted to change. I was jealous of all the writers that I was assigning stories to because all during this time I was writing on the side and I was uh, freelancing for various magazines, um, writing for Cosmo a lot and for TV Guide. And I just I, I was so jealous of the writers that I was assigning. It seemed like so much more of a fun job. And I also just loved the parts of the job when I was writing, um, you know, stuff magazine would send me out to Los Angeles to interview, you know, Snoop Dogg and, and, uh, Pamela Anderson. That was an interesting interview to get into that. But, uh, but I just, it was a fun life. And, and so I made a big change and, uh, moved to Los Angeles, um, and became a full-time freelance writer. And, uh, did that for a long time. And so that was how I made the transition. And, you know, in the beginning I was writing for a lot of people that I knew. Um, now all those people that I knew are no longer either in the business or they're doing other things. So now I have a sort of a whole new set of, of, uh, editors that I'm pitching and working with that. That's my story. Uh, and I'm going to stick with it. It's so interesting. Executive editor, you know, working for glamor, working for stop, like even, you know, working for Sesame street parenting, which I'm familiar with, um, that's so many people's dream jobs. But to think that you were in, you know, a dream job, and it still maybe wasn't satisfying, it maybe wasn't scratching that writerly itch. It's mind blowing that, you know, you could get to a place where you're in many people's dream jobs and kind of still want something else. I still want something. You know, I don't yeah. think the the human condition is we're never really satisfied. And, you know, it always seemed like it was better on the other side. I do think, though, writing for me was a better a better choice just in terms of my um, skill set and my interests. But, uh, you know, sometimes I wonder why the heck did I become a writer? You know, of all the professions I could have chosen, why did this one get me? Well, and that's my next question, which you've <laughs> asked for me is, what was it about writing? Like, what was it about writing that drew you away from, you know, these other really cool jobs? You know, it's a great question. I often ask myself, what is it about writing that I enjoy so much? I think it's the sort of, it's not necessarily, it's the zone that I get into when I'm, you know, when it's going really well, which you really, it's really hard to replicate that feeling of just like, I am on all cylinders. You're not even aware, you know, time is gone. You just lose yourself, right? And then that feeling of, you know, I do like writing when it's over too. I like it when you're just done and you press send and it's like, mm. I finished that and that feeling of accomplishment. Um, I love seeing, uh, the, the, the writing and, you know, in editing, there was sort of a little bit of a thankless job. You would, you would do it, you would edit a story, but there was no, like, I don't know, there was no feeling that you had ownership of that story. It wasn't really your story. It was somebody else's story in my mind. Um, and so I did like the idea of, you know, coming to the idea and, and, and seeing it through. And then there's just the whole process. I, I try to do writing where I get to go out in the field and meet interesting people. So um, I love those kinds of stories. And so I've been pitching a lot of stories recently where they sort of take me out of my my office and I interview uh, whether they're actors or just extraordinary people, um, regular people, quote unquote. Uh, those are my favorite kinds of stories and sort of telling their story. 
Oh, I love that too. Um, <laughs> Isn't it fun? Oh gosh. I've met the coolest people writing and podcasting. Like there's so many beautiful, amazing people out there. There's so many stories. And I, I love just like diving headfirst in someone else's story like that. It's really a cool experience. And then if you've also written fiction, it's so, you know, the story is there for you. It's, it's a lot, I don't know, it's not easier, but it, it's a lot uh, more concrete the way it's um, presented to you. When you're writing fiction, it's like you're making up everything as you go along. But I like in nonfiction how it's just like there is a story. You just have to figure out the right way to tell it, right? Right, right. You have to like burrow into it a little bit and discover, yeah, yeah what's at that meaty center? Yeah, what's the, what's the core here? Yeah, so I've been having a lot of fun with that. Um, I just did a story uh, for the New York times actually, um, which was last week, uh, it would appeared last week, uh, about Holly Taylor who plays, I don't know if you watch the Americans. Do you watch the Americans? I'm okay. So anyway. She, oh, so I mean, yeah, you're, yeah. I mean, look, I, I don't even know why I was kind of a miracle that I actually watch that show. Cause usually when I get assigned stories, it's, I haven't watched the show and I'm like, they're like, have you watched uh, this? And I always say, Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. And then like as soon as I hang up, I just get the Netflix and and, do a binge watch. So I'm completely familiar. That's happened to me. But in this case, I actually knew the show. And so it was really interesting. I went to New Jersey. I met her at a diner. Um, She's a 20 year old actress. She plays Paige Jennings on the show. And I just kind of like got got to know her. Like I just I just I didn't let her leave until I really felt like I kind of knew who she was and had enough. Uh in my arsenal to be able to kind of tell a good story or tell a story about her. So yeah, like that's interesting. And then, you know, that's a celebrity. And then I'll go and I recently met a woman who, uh, rescued her children from a burning fire. Um, and you know, just a kind of a, a wonderful woman up in Spokane, Washington. And she, her kids were stuck in this fire. She had run out and she had to run back in and, and, and rescue them crawl in her stomach. So like all these different kinds of stories, like just get me really excited. And I think I've gotten to a place now where those are my favorite kinds of stories to write. Although don't tell my editors at entrepreneur magazine that cause that <laughs> I write completely different stories for them. But, uh, but yeah, just people's stories. Something that's interesting to me is I get a lot of writers, uh, nonfiction writers, maybe aspiring journalists who say, how do I put a good spin on this? Like, how how do I find the angle? How do I really make this a meaningful story? Because it's easy to sit down with someone kind of like we're doing now and say like, so how'd you get into writing? Um, But it's another thing completely to have a compelling story. Tell me a little bit about how you find the right angle. The right angle. The, well, it's a no, great not question. Not 90 degree angle, but the correct angle. Yeah. Yes. Such a dork. No, uh, <laughs> such a dork. You, you went there. Yeah. Right angle. No, I, um, no, it's a really, it's a great question. I, um, you know, I, I spend a lot of time prepping my questions. You know, I, I do really dig into the backgrounds of people so that I can, so that I can find a, a, some sort of topic, something that's happened in their life that we can talk about that might present an interesting, um, angle. But I also kind of go in with a real open minded and I'm, I, you know, I listen mm-hmm. and I think, you know, you're a good listener. I think people who have podcasts generally are, are pretty good listeners and they're probably bad podcasters if they aren't good listeners, but I like, I, I really listen. I listen so carefully to what they're saying. I follow up. Um, and then I, if, if they say one little thing that, that kind of like tweaks my interest, um, I will pursue it. You know, I'll go in. So for example, I'm just thinking when I was interviewing Holly Taylor, she started kind of let it, let it drop at the end, how much she hated doing the kissing scenes with her co-star because it was just so embarrassing. And she sort of like was, it was almost like a flip thing at the end. And 
I was like, wait a minute, what did you just say? And I, and I really dug into that rather than being like, yeah, yeah. You know, in a conversation you'd be like, oh my God, it must be so embarrassing. But no, I was like, well, what do you hate about it? What, uh, tell me exactly why you hate it. And tell me the response when you're watching those kitchen scenes with your parents, you know, when you're watching the show with your parents, you know, is it really awkward? And, you know, we kind of got into it and I felt like that was a really fun, that wasn't necessarily the angle of the story, but that was a real fun thing to dive into that I hadn't gone in planning at all. Like had no idea that she was mortified by doing on-screen kissing scenes with her co-star. Uh, so that was a fun thing. And yeah, I try not to go into the story too much knowing what my angle is. I think it's important to be flexible. You know, you have some sort of an idea so you don't go all over the place, but you should really be flexible about let, let the angle present itself to you rather than you sort of forcing it upon the story. I love that you said that. Um, it- Listeners cannot see how vehemently I'm nodding right now. And as <laughs> you're so naughty right now. Like, like, <laughs> yeah, I'm like closing your eyes and nodding. I'm like, I said the right thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, you you said a thing that's so that's so important, and I had to learn this along the way. I'm not a I'm not a journalist by nature. I don't have any of that interview training. When I started this podcast, um, I go back and I'm so embarrassed. I listen to these old interviews that I did with people. I had my list of questions and I would not deviate from it. Um, and so even if they said something interesting, I'm like, well, too bad. On to the next question. This is what's on my list. And it just made for a, a very uh, less good, um, and perhaps in fact, bad podcast interview. Listening is so important. Not talking over the other person is so important. These are all just such great interview tips. So now what I'm doing, you saw, I, I held up my little notepad at the beginning of this interview yeah, you take notes. and I, I take notes. That. It just has your name at the top. And then as we go, um, I love listening for any little interesting tidbits that you've said. And I have a few written down here that I would oh, love really? to ask I said you things. about. Okay. Yes. In fact, I have two things. I think what I want to start with is when you moved into becoming a freelance writer, you started with people you knew. That's a question I get a lot about people who want to go out into full-time writing. They're like, where do I even start? Do I have to like get a job in a magazine? Uh, Do I have to like pitch to people? And something that I did and something it sounds like you did was starting with people you knew. Can you tell us a little bit more about what that sort of looked like for you? So I had an advantage um, when I first started because having worked in the business for a while, you know, I knew people. So I would call my my colleagues that I had worked with at different magazines to say, hey, I'm in Los Angeles now. Do you need me to, to do things? I knew that there was always a need for West Coast writers. I, you know, I worked in the East Coast and people always needed good West Coast writers to interview celebrities and do stuff about Hollywood, et cetera. So that helped. But my advice to younger people or to people that might not have the connections that I have. And again, now I don't again, like I said, I kind of dropped out of the business for a while and became a a video producer and got very into sort of the online digital social thing. And uh, that's a whole other part of my career. But I came back recently to writing because by necessity, because I I was laid off at one of those jobs, but also because I just love it. Um, And it always is sort of my fallback. Uh, profession because it's something that I, I feel very confident in. But as far as, so I, what I had to do is I had to reintroduce myself to a whole new ecosystem of editors. And really it was, it was just having the, the, the gumption to reach out to them in an email and say, Hey, you know, I'm in Los Angeles, always offer them something, um, you know, offer them a story idea, offer them, uh, some sort of access that they might not have normally, you know, you might not be in Los Angeles. It's probably an advantage that you're not in Los Angeles. There's so many writers in Los Angeles. You know, the fact that you are in 
North, South Dakota, South, South Dakota. Dakota, yeah, South Dakota. It's like I never get pitches from people in South Dakota. Um, you know, I'm sure that a lot of magazines, newspapers, websites would be interested in maybe some local stuff going on in South Dakota, especially if you're sort of uncovering an interesting person or event or so, you know, y- use your strengths to your advantage, you know, use, use your, un, your uniqueness to your advantage, um, pitch stuff about your local town. It, it, as long as it's a sort of universally interesting story, uh, you could probably sell it. You know, I would network a lot. I would maybe join some Facebook groups of writers. I would, there is a organization called UPOD. I don't know if you've ever heard about that. UPOD. Um, it's a Facebook group with a lot of freelance writers. I, I actually have the the guy who founded coming on my podcast pretty soon, a guy nice. named David Hockman. A lot of, lot of freelancers there. Um, there's a lot of or media bistro is a, is a possibly a good, you know, maybe take a class so you can uh, mingle with other writers. So it's really just about getting out there and not sort of saying, oh, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. You just got to go forward and not fear rejection. You know, I think I was so scared of rejection most of my career. And now I'm like, cares so the guy didn't get back to me so she didn't like the story you know just keep going like it might just not be a good fit yes go for it um just dive right in and if they reject you move on to the next thing exactly yeah there's there are there is no shortage of people that will be available to buy your stories so if you yeah if you fail one place there's there's another place to go you sort of touched on something. You said you were at a little bit of an advantage, um, you know, because you knew people in the industry. However, I'm sort of of the opinion that we make our own luck. Can you tell me a little bit? I, I know you sort of alluded to this earlier, but your first editorial job, it kind of like landed in your lap. How do you make your own luck so that something like that happens? Is it just being more visible? Is it being eager to write a story? What does that look like? Um, I think, yeah, I think my sort of uh, trajectory in my career was always, and I always kind of moved up one ladder every magazine I went to. So I was at a, a, I think I ended up at as associate editor at uh, Child Magazine, and then I became a senior editor at Fitness. I think it really was just a question of, you know, people can trust me. I think people want to be able to to trust that you are going to do a good job, that you're not going to make them look like idiots, that you're going to make the whatever publication uh, they're working for better. Uh, someone once said to me, she said, you know, you know, you've become successful in your career when people stop telling you how great you are and only criticize you. So you get to a certain point (laughs) where, you know, it's that you're going to be good is just expected. Right. So, so I think you want to get to that point where it's like people can trust that you're just going to be good. Like you're a professional and, and they want to work with you and you're not going to get a lot of like, this is awesome at a certain point. It's just like known, of course it's awesome. Like you're a professional journalist, like it's gotta be awesome, you know? Um, but you know, and you only sort of hear the bad stuff. So yeah, I, you know, I'm a, I'm not, I'm, I'm not the most extroverted person. I mean, I think, I think you had mentioned too, that you're an introvert. Did I remember that? Yeah. Uh, but I would, I, I would, you know, I certainly was an extrovert in my writing and I would make a point to like go out to drinks with people and like get to know people in the business. Um, one of the things I did when I was a full timer was made a real conscious effort mainly from for financial reasons to to freelance at other publications while I was working at one, even though that wasn't necessarily allowed, you know, I, on my free time, I would, for example, I was working at child magazine and I would freelance for a magazine called YM, which I don't know if you remember, but was a teen magazine. I do. Yeah. Remember YM magazine. And I would write for a while. I sort of had a beat where I would write a, about 
dating from a man's perspective. And so I was sort of the guy expert and that became my thing. And I would, could write, and by making that my thing, I was able to write for a lot of different magazines like Glamour and Cosmo. So then I made friends with those editors. Um, I, I joined this organization called ASME, which is the Association of Magazine Editors. I would network there. And, you know, I was, I was made myself very much out there and I didn't even really realize, I wasn't consciously trying to make connections, but when I left my job, uh, that I, wow, I know a lot of people. And it was just a question of having the guts to call them up and asking them for work because that's always an awkward conversation. Uh, you know, yeah, it's awkward to ask somebody, Hey, hire me. You don't want to appear desperate, but at the same time you're desperate. And so, uh, it was, it was, it was, and it was hard for me. It was a struggle for me to kind of like pick up the phone and maybe call people that would be perceived as like lower than me down on the chain of editorial people. But I was like, who cares? Like I'm going to pursue, uh, this and, and get as much work as I, I can. Um, and in the beginning it was really writing just stuff that other people wanted. And now it's getting to be more like I'm able to write more of the stuff that I want to write. And I'm able to sort of call the shots a little bit more. What a great place to be. What a wonderful place. It is a great place. It is a lovely place to be, but it took a while and, and nobody should expect to be there right away. And, you know, maybe take a few assignments that might not be uh, exactly what you signed up for, you know, write about daycare centers in your local area, whatever it is, like something that might not be the sexiest of topics, you know, go for it. I've written so many unsexy stories, um, but that's just sort of like to pay the bills and then just know that there's going to be some great opportunities down the road. Yeah. Exactly. There's that scene. I don't know if you're a Gilmore Girls fan at all, but uh, Rory really wants to be on the newspaper. And she takes uh, she takes a story about, I think, some cracked pavement in the back of the school. And she's like, you know what, this is going to be the absolute best story about the cracked pavement that you've ever read. And she just <laughs> did it. And I love That's it. That's great. Yeah. That's a great exercise. Yeah. Yeah. Make it good you have a, a podcast. It's called Right About yes. Now. And um, so it, did this come out of like the video stuff? Or was this just something you wanted to do? Tell me where this came from. This, this came out of a digital marketing class that I took last summer. And it was something I just took in downtown LA. And because I felt like I need to be a little bit better at digital marketing and like understanding how to do that as a writer. And, and I, at the time, and still I have a, a writing like you, I have a kind of a ghostwriting consulting business. I ghostwrite a lot of books for people and, and write stuff. And I was trying to figure out how to build that business. And we were trying to, and in, as a result of the course, we were talking about different marketing uh, techniques and avenues and podcasting came up. And I was like, wow, I never thought about doing a podcast, but I love listening to podcasts. And when I was a kid, I was obsessed with radio. I used to like play music and then pretend that I was introducing the sort of opening segment like, hey, coming up next, is it? I was totally into being, I want to be a radio DJ. And then I would, I would, I had a radio show uh, in college that was really popular called Finesse Radio. I was this character called Kid Finesse and I played hip hop in a, at a time in, a, in an area in New London, Connecticut, where no, no stations were playing hip hop. So we were like the only source of hip hop, which was really cool. And I just, I always wanted to be a DJ, but it just was like kind of a path not taken for some reason. Um, so podcasting sort of, to me, brings in everything I love. It's the interviewing, the be doing voice, uh, uh, producing, uh, all the journalism that goes into it. I love it. And so what happened was I, I started the podcast as sort of a way to publicize my writing business, but then the podcast became like so interesting and fascinating to me. It's all I want to do that now I'm, I'm trying to develop the podcast as sort of its own, its own thing, its own standalone, uh, and, and trying to do other types of podcasts as well. So 
uh, I sort of feel like I found my true, true, true call. I mean, writing is definitely a calling and I loved it, but I've also done it for a long time. But podcasting is super exciting to me and, and a wonderful creative outlet. You mentioned fiction very briefly earlier. Are you working on anything fictional or is that something that you ghostwrite or just are you just 100% into the nonfiction space right now? I absolutely love fiction. I've had um, more success and more uh, with nonfiction and I haven't really pursued fiction as much. Um, I think the, the, the thing that really gave me the fiction bug was um, back in, uh, I don't know, about 10 years ago, I was assigned to write a fictional blog for Red Book Magazine. And it was called Diary of He. And the idea, the only thing they told me they wanted is they wanted a diary from a bad boy's perspective. Like a, uh, you know, like what would a bad boy dating in New York City, uh, you know, what would, and he wrote a diary, what would it look like? And I would write it every week as a blog. And it got it. It kind of took off. Now, I mean, Redbook has a big audience, so it was really a nice platform for me to be able to do it. But it was basically like writing a novel that never ended. I mean, I wrote that thing, I think, for like eight years. Oh, my gosh. And it was and it, there was never an end. Like every Sunday night I have to write it. And I, I couldn't really finish it because it had to be this open ended story. And, you know, it was, it was fun. I mean, it was amazing. Um, so that was my foray into fiction where I was always creating this world. Um, and then I have written a few screenplays. Nothing has ever been, been produced. I did get one sold, which was very cool, but, uh, I fiction is, is something that I, I really enjoy and I'm trying to get more into. And I just got off one of my podcast interviews with a woman by the name of Joanna Penn, who I think we both, who, who we both know, right. Who's an amazing podcaster. And, and, and she got me really excited about the idea of possibly self publishing. Cause like a lot of it is more like, Oh God, do I have to find an, I have to get an agent. And it's like, the, it just seems like such a process, but I love the idea that you can just do your thing, publish it and see what happens. So she got me really excited about that. So I think there will be some fiction books in my, in my near future for sure. I hope so. And my gosh, I love her. I love Joanna Penn. She's a huge inspiration. You've done a lot of, of different things. How do you find balance with everything that you're doing? I mean, do you, are you just very tightly scheduled or what does that look like for you? Yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty scheduled. Um, I always feel like I'm not doing enough. I have that, you know, always feel like it's not enough, but I do write a schedule every day and then say, I've got to work on this thing in the morning, this thing in the afternoon, you know, I'm still working on it. And I think one of the great things about podcasting is you get to talk to other writers and find out how they, how they balance. Uh, my way has always been, uh, to, to schedule and try to set up different times to do different things, um, to try to get outside a little bit, to try to like exercise. And, um, I'm still working on creating a routine. I think that a lot of successful writers that I've spoken to have routines that they follow and it's helped them a lot. I, I would like to say that I, you know, I get up every morning at four 30 and I write for an hour and a half and I don't do that. Those people are amazing that they can do that. Um, Tim Ferriss and those types of people, you know, I'm, I'm working on that. And I think it, it sounds wonderful to me and it sounds wonderful for me to like get up and then meditate for half an hour and then write and then uh, take a shower and then uh, do something else. I don't know. So I'm working on that. But right now, the way I balance is I'm just winging it. I mean, I, I really <laughs> I, I wish I had a, a better answer. I'm not the kind of person that pushes things to the very, very last minute. I am just neurotic enough to make sure that I, you know, I'm early. I'm usually early to my deadlines. Um, I just want to make sure everything is is ready. Um, so I, I, I do not uh, endorse nor practice the, the idea of kind of like 
delaying everything to the last minute and then just like pouring it on. You know, I do like to, to get it ready in time. <laughs> and if you get your stories in early, you are such your editors love you so much that it is it's kind of worth it. It's interesting because I've worked on both sides, right? So I've been an editor and I've been a writer. And sometimes as an editor, I couldn't believe what writers would do. I couldn't believe that they would be really late on their deadlines or that they would complain about something. Like, And it made me realize that as a writer, you know, you, you should really be like – easy for your editor. You should make your editor's life easier, not harder. And you should do things like hand in your stories exactly on time or maybe even a day early. Don't complain. Uh, you know, don't don't get so reactive on a revised notes. They're just doing their job, you know. So there's there's definitely things that um, you would think are common sense for writers, but I could not believe the amount of writers that really made my life sort of hell as, a, as an editor. That is, it's, it's something that I think a lot of writers maybe don't think about. Uh, it's easy to get into the victim mindset. It's easy to procrastinate and then blame someone else, but I'm not getting paid enough for this or I'm not, you know, and again, I get it. Like so, some of those grievances are, are legit, but you know, think about it from the perspective of the person that's assigning you the story. Like they have a ton of stuff on their plate. They just want a good story. We all want the same thing. They don't want to rip you off. Uh, they don't want to, uh, make your, story not read well. I mean, everybody is trying for the same thing. And so if you can work together and be a good teammate, um, you'll get a lot of work. What great advice. And it doesn't get talked about. It's true. I think because people just assume that everybody is like, oh, so easy to work with. Um, but they're not, you know, you get reputation. I always was like very up to the school of don't burn bridges. You know, like if you're going to pick a fight, you know, pick the right fight and really stand by it because, you know, once you burn a bridge in a small industry like writing, uh, you know, it's it's pretty hard. It's hard to, to recover. It's funny. So uh, right before this, right before our chat today, I was recording an episode of the Right Now podcast. And that was um, I was talking about writing full time and becoming a full time writer. Number four in my list of, of do's and don'ts was don't burn bridges. Yeah, it's very important. And you think these things seem like such common sense until you actually uh, work with other writers and realize, wow, they're burning a bridge like this is not worth it, you know? Um, so yeah, so important. What is next for you? Have you, have you thought about that yet? Are you planning things out? What's next? Yeah, well, I, I'm definitely going to be publishing a, and it's good that I'm saying this on podcast because it'll keep me honest, right? So I'm definitely going to be publishing a few fiction uh, books, uh, possibly variations on that Diary of He blog that I told you about on Red Book, where I am going to sort of be doing um, some, you know, dating in the 21st century kind of from a perspective of a guy, because uh, I think there, I love writing about that and I think there's a market for it. Um, so that would be really fun podcasting is going to become more a part of my life. I just took a, a big job helping another uh, company um, produce their podcast. And I, I'm going to get into producing more of my own podcast, but also the podcasts of others. So I'm really getting into that. So, uh, and I just got a job as, <laughs> this is sort of fun. Um, I wonder if this is secret. Probably not. Uh, uh, maybe it is. Well, you, I don't know. So Entrepreneur Magazine is starting a, a standalone uh, website about the business of marijuana called Green Entrepreneur. Since in um, you know Los Angeles and other states or in Los Angeles, in California and other states, uh, marijuana is now legal. And they asked me if I would be interested in editing that website. So I, I said yes, even though I'm not 
particularly a partaker of marijuana. I was interested in the business of it, and it does seem like an interesting field to, to investigate. So I will be editing uh, that website. Um, so there's some things on the horizon, but um, I'm always trying to challenge myself. I think it's so important to always – you know, try to do new things. Don't get stuck in ruts. Don't keep trying doing the same thing over and over again. So that's, it's worked for me and I think it will work for everybody. If people are interested in listening to your show and reading your work, how do they find you? What do they do? Where do they go? Okay. Well, I have a website. It's writeaboutnowmedia.com. You, I'll give you my email address is Jonathan, J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N at writeaboutmedia.com. And writeaboutnowmedia.com. Of course, write is W-R-I-T-E, not R-I-G-H-T. Uh, you know, the pun. Uh, I think we're both good at puns. <laughs> I like <laughs> to both... think so. I don't know. Yes. Uh, and I have a uh, – my podcast, again, is Write About Now with Jonathan Small. There actually is another Write About Now, which is a poetry podcast, but mine is the, the one with Jonathan Small. I am also on Facebook. I think I'm most active on Facebook at Right About Now Podcast, and feel free to join my Facebook page. Um, very inspired by Sarah about how you've used social media in such an interesting, creative way. So I'm trying to take my inspiration from you on that, on that for sure, and and your podcast as well. So those are the main ways to find me. I love working with with people. I love talking to to writers or just people that are interested in in writing, podcasting. So feel free to reach out. Jonathan, you're just wonderful. I'm so happy we got to talk today. Well, right back at you. Well, thank you. Interviewer, love your show, and I love your voice. You have such a good speaking voice, doesn't she? She has a great speaking voice. It's like it always seems. Well, you are now that I'm actually seeing you in in Skype. You always seem sound like you're smiling, and you are when you're talking. And I think that's a wonderful lesson for podcasters. Sound like you're smiling, unless you're reporting on something really dark. (laughs) You're like, and then they murdered each other. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Jonathan, thank you again so much. I'll be sure to provide links to all of your awesome endeavors here in the show notes for today's episode. Sarah, it has been just an honor and a pleasure to be here and and, uh, good luck with everything. 